Amen. Uh, thank you for um, that prayer, Aaron. That was uh, really powerful for me um, to hear um, and be reminded. And, and it's, it's really powerful to, to repent. To, there's something healing about not just something. There is healing when we confess. Um, and so what a powerful, it's, I felt myself becoming defensive a little bit um, and then saying, no, no, I, I do. I do do these things. And then feeling um, like the healing of saying that and, and the forgiveness of that. I'm excited um, that we could do that together. Um, I'm just going to adjust this a little bit. Make sure we got enough. All right. All right. Okay. Sorry about that. I want to make sure everyone can hear me. Had some mute problems in weeks past, so uh, we're here. Uh, I, I'm excited to continue this. We're in a, a series here for, of, of our sermons and our teaching and what we're thinking about for the next few months that we're calling The Gospel Changes Everything. Um, and so we're looking at uh, uh, generally how the gospel changes, how it really changes how we view and how we act. And then specifically, we're going to look at some areas um, whether that be uh, thinking about politics uh, or thinking about social media or thinking about um, our lives, our friendships, um, how we care for people. What does it look like to be change agents um, in our world? Uh, if the gospel has changed us, what does that look like? Before we get there, I have this opportunity for all of you. I, you, you brought up some great ideas for apps, and I'd like to just bring up, I, I created an app. And I can't wait to show you how great it works. Um, so I'm just going to pull my phone up here on the side. This is a live view. Me hold my phone of my phone. Uh, we're going to click the little wizard hat there on the phone. Bloop. All right, and open friends. Welcome to Wisdom, my app that I've created that instantly gives you perfect wisdom. Uh, perfect answers to all of life's questions. It's like Ask Jeeves, if you remember Ask Jeeves, but better. It's called Wisdom. This is Wisdom, the wizard from Wislandia. You can ask him anything. Should we ask him a question? I think we should. Let's click that button. Boop. All right. Like the sound effects there. We can ask him any question. Let's say, um, hypothetically, your dog... Um, your dog, um, let's say, like, chews on the legs of your patio furniture for an unknown reason and is constantly destroying legs of patio furniture. So let's ask that. My dog eats patio chairs. All right, let's see what Wisdom the Wizard kind of advice uh, he, um, he can give. Wisdom, give us your wisdom and get rid of chairs. Okay. That's a... That's an okay uh, answer, I guess. Let's try, let's try this again. Okay, uh, how about um, my kids don't do everything that I say? Has anyone ever had this problem? I bet Wisdom's going to give me the secret to this. I'd love to see my kids do everything that I say. What do you say, Wisdom? Welcome to parenting. Well, that's, well, that's Wisdom. That's sarcasm, I think. I got it. <clears throat> this is going to work. I know this app works. We just got a couple bugs here working out. Last question. This will get it. Who should I vote for? Everyone ready for this? Wisdom is going to tell us 
exactly who to vote for. Wisdom 20. We're not voting for wisdom. Wisdom, I think you're a terrible wizard. I'm going to have to work on this app. When I get it going, though, everyone check it out in the app store. It's not real. Spoiler, it's not real. I made that up. That's Wisdom is not an app that I have. But, oh, do I wish there was an app. Spelled Wisdom, maybe correctly, that I could just go to. Type in a question and it would just tell me and I could move on with my life knowing the answer is right, knowing that I could hold to that even if people oppose that, knowing that it would make me look better and wiser. There's not though. Now there there are things we hold in our hands that I think we might go to often and try to get instant wisdom, but it's not, it's not a thing. And so today we're going to look at that idea. What is gospel wisdom? Versus foolishness. And we're going to really focus on this wisdom. Where do I go for wisdom in a time when I want things quickly? It seems that wisdom is not something I necessarily can run to quickly or obtain quickly. And I often, um, for me, run to a screen and, and try to find someone else who has experienced it and just quickly say, I'll do that thing. Tell me now what it can be and how I can change this. How can I get my kids to obey my dog to stop chewing chairs, right? Who do I vote for and, and, and am I okay with it? And, oh, everything seems messy and hard and, and difficult to figure out. And so we want to just today stop. Now, before we get into this, I do want to say you could type in, uh, you could Google search, and I did this many for many websites, uh, like ways to make decisions. And there's really great, helpful questions to ask. Here's the five questions to ask. The five C's of making a decision. Those are helpful and great. Today we want to look at the like foundational thoughts and, and realities of where does wisdom come from so that we don't jump ahead to just getting through some questions so we can get this thing done so that we actually stop and understand that gospel completely changes everything, including what wisdom is and how we make decisions and how we move forward and what that even means in our lives. And so we're going to look today, a place often that people go to when they're thinking of wisdom is Proverbs. And so we're going to jump into Proverbs here. If you want to look in your own Bibles, or um, I'll have the scripture on the screen here that we're going to use. And uh, we're going to go on a little journey through just the first few verses of Proverbs together. Proverbs, um, well, it's, it'll start and tell us this. So this is, we're going to walk through Proverbs, the beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 1.1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And so David's son, Solomon, is known as one of the wisest, smartest, wealthiest, successful, most successful people, right? And, and people can say in history, of all time. And he created the Proverbs as these instructions for things. He's going to share a little bit of what that means. He created these though, in order to pass along his wisdom, which would be wisdom that we would want. And people would want to know because they want to be like him. And so I think it's really interesting how he starts this. And he really sets up the foundation of this whole book of wisdom and explains what it is. So here's how it works. For gaining this is the Proverbs, 
of Solomon in verse, verse 2. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. You see those words? I like this. I'm going to highlight those. This seems to be a, a helpful definition of wisdom. We're doing what is right and just and fair. Giving, forgiving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So it's for, for young people. I think right away when we think of wisdom, we might think this is for giving knowledge and discretion. Like, yeah, yeah, those kids today, they need this. And I love, I love that he adds this in five. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Also, for the people who are already wise, or we'd say maybe older or experienced, guess what? This is also for them. It's for young, even says simple here, and also for wise. Listen, we can add still, and let the discerning get guidance. Those who are already discerners can still get guidance here. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So he's saying, if, if you want to know what's right and just and fair, if you want to make a decision that fits that, that's the, the right decision with, with all the information and what's going on, you want to put those together and make the right, just, and fair decision, then I'm going to explain to you some things that are important in this book of Proverbs, which is Solomon, and we believe could even be some other people have written parts of it. So he's saying, if you want to know those things, this is for people who don't know anything to people who are already wise and discerning to all people. And then he gives this, there's actually a break in the original text and he gives this statement that is almost like the header, the, the title to Proverbs, the big, the big thing to understand. Here we go. Maybe a verse you've heard before. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. He says here, hey, come to this book that I've written, Solomon, who you want to know all my wisdom and how I've become successful and grand and great and have all the things that people in the world would want. How I've made decisions that are right and just and fair. It says, you know what it is? You know what the source of that is? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. And if you're a fool, if you want to make fool's decisions, then you should despise this wisdom and these instructions. He's saying the source and the foundation is with God. And the fear here, the fear of the Lord isn't a, you're scary, like your father who just scares me into doing things. Okay, I'll do it so I don't get hurt or punished. Fear here is like a holy respect, a reverence, a, a love and awe that you're awe-filled, not awful, awe-filled because you see that you go, oh, you are so good and right. It's knowing the Lord. And from that, we gain wisdom, our starting place. I actually really like um, um, how Eugene Peterson, Eugene Peterson wrote uh, The Message, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible. Uh, he's, he's a really godly man, pastor who wrote it. So if you ever can get a copy of The Message, often when I'm reading on my um, app on my phone, I like to switch to the, uh, the message also, along with uh, whether it's the NIV or whatever version I'm reading, because I, sometimes I love the way he puts it in his words, these, these passages. And this one I love. He writes Proverbs 1-7 like this. He says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. He's saying the beginning of wisdom, 
and learning and, and knowing how to do what's right and just and fair is first bending your knee to God. It's first worshiping him. It's first recognizing that he is right and he is just and he is fair and the source of those things. So this, this puts me in a place where I, I think about, uh, for all of us, what is typically my process in seeking wisdom? And I, I want to think of the what, as in where, like where do I go to get that content, but also the why. The why am I seeking it? Because that, for me, is actually more important than the what, because often my motivation determines where I go. And so my why often can be that I just don't know what to do. I feel... Uh, ill-prepared. And sometimes it's because I've actually tried many times before to do what's just or right, or at least what I think is just or right, and it didn't work. And so after like failure six or seven, I think, okay, I got to figure, I got to ask someone else or figure something else out. My first inclination is not start with God. It's start with Drew and my thoughts and what I already know. I, I really think I'm wiser than I am. And so then I, after failure, I move. So that might be my wise because I've just tried enough things and okay, maybe I'll move on to try to figure it out. Maybe I just want things to be calm and comfortable and not chaotic. So my choice in what I'm going to do in a decision, uh, the decision I'm going to make is sometimes just like whatever is going to be the most comfortable or calming or just end the, the chaos or, or the tension in this that maybe you resonate with that. Maybe Comfort is is your motivator for what it is. So actually, wisdom isn't your motivator. Seeking wisdom, it's just whatever will calm this situation. Or maybe I want people to think I'm wise or smart. They want me to think. I want people to think I'm the I'm the one who thought of this idea and, and made it happen. And oh, how oh, good is true. And I want my reputation and my approval to to be to be the the motivator. Or maybe I uh, want something, and so I need to find wisdom. I use qu- the quotes here to get that thing, and so I need to just find something or someone that will tell me, "Yes, that thing you should have that thing and want that thing, or want this decision or want this to happen." And so find those things that would agree. This is where we see like the the echo chamber effect happening, where I can just find people that say the same thing or, or, or agree, or I can always type in Google, right? I should eat cheeseburgers every day, right? And someone's like, yes, I saw a study once and I think it said you should do eat cheeseburgers every day. So I think that could be our motivation, which again, we're not seeking wisdom then, right? We're just seeking something for ourselves. Maybe I just want to look better to others. Maybe I just want to prove my point. And so my goal is to just win my goal is to win at what I think is right. And so, again, I'm not necessarily seeking wisdom and definitely not starting with God. Or I just feel something and I want something. It just, just feels right to me. And so I go with my feeler instincts. And so then out of those motivations, and maybe my motivation is really good. Um, not that it's always impure, you know, motivation, but it's just that I want this thing to be right. And I still just look to me or maybe just look to some people around me. I do not think to start necessarily with the Lord. And when I do then finally have motivation, then where do I go? I often go to, I mean, to internet quick searching and whatever Google's, you know, algorithm tells me the first few websites are what I would click. 
or I go to other friends who maybe are really great friends, hopefully who do seek the Lord, who do give wise counsel, which is good. And maybe I go, and maybe I do, you know, at some point then go to scripture, go to my small group, uh, go to, go to a leader in my church or go to, uh, an elder in my life who is, uh, older and experienced. Those things can, can be great, right? Good. And here in Proverbs, um, Solomon and God through him is saying, we got to start though. Our wisdom must be foundational, must be built on God and not just his instructions or his wisdom in the Bible. Him, like fearing him relationally, knowing him actually is wisdom. That's going to actually produce wisdom. All right, let's keep moving here. I'm excited to see how this continues to play out as we think about wisdom. This this passage is written in the Old Testament. And this one, when people are are looking for a Messiah to come and rescue them, and the Messiah comes and rescues them, and God rescues his people. And then we hear like a reworking, almost a rewording of these themes and these thoughts in Proverbs 1 in 1 Corinthians. I love how this happens. And this is after Jesus has been born. He, he, he shows his power and his love, and his grace in the Gospels, and he dies on a cross so that we don't have to die. And he rises from the dead, defeating death, and, uh, and eventually ascends to his throne and is on his throne as he is today. And this letter is written to a church in Corinth, and, and it shares... The same thing. Where are you looking for your wisdom? And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. He's saying, he's talking about us. He's saying, we we are uh, not wise things but he's going to use us to show how good Jesus is. I'm getting ahead of myself here. So here, verse 30 is where I want us to land. Ready? It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Because of God sending Christ to rescue us, we now get to be in Christ, like clothe ourselves with Christ. Okay, that makes sense. God, we didn't do that. God did that in, in his wisdom. He gives us Jesus now that gives us life. We now have life instead of death. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our rightness, our holiness, which is our perfectness, our justice, and our redemption, which he's redeemed us back and, and restored us back into the family of God, right? Like a, even better. These are words that are a better rightness, a better justice in holiness, and a perfect fairness in redemption. He has actually made us all together equal with him, with in Christ. We, have, we come before God and he sees Jesus and we are together in that. It's incredible. So, um, 
in 31, therefore is written, let no one boast, uh, no one who boasts, boasts, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So what, what this is saying is that the same thing that we're hearing in Proverbs, except what is that wisdom? That wisdom is Jesus. We go first to Jesus. He is wisdom, our relationship with him, because he then makes us righteous and holy and redeemed. He's the one who makes things right and just and fair. We don't, we can't do that. And so in, in 1 Corinthians here, it's reminding us um, that we are lowly things. We don't, we don't contain godly wisdom until we have clothed ourselves in God himself. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a story. I love this story. I love the image of this. If you can imagine this, there's a story. I don't know how, if there's a legend, uh, it's lore or a story, but there's a story of Albert Einstein. He's sitting in a boat with a friend uh, on a lake and they're looking up at the stars and they're, they're talking about, uh, God and the universe and man, you know, just like the, these big, big ideas. And Einstein looks over at his friend. Was Albert Einstein is, if you're going to say wisdom, someone who's wise, who knows some things, you might, might use his name. And he looks over at his friend and he says, we know nothing at all, do we? Our knowledge is but knowledge of school children. Is that wild? Can you imagine them in a boat? The stars are out. And as they look at just creation around them and, and the immenseness of it, he says, we really don't know anything. Our knowledge is but knowledge of school children. Do you think that we shall ever know the secret to all things? This is, this is what his friend, so his friend says to him, do you think we'll ever know the secret to all things? He says, possibly we shall know a little bit more than we do now, but we shall really never know much. Think of that. What a place to be in. And it's okay to be in. How much do I want to be in that boat and say, wow, this is incredible. We've figured this out. We figured all of this out. And my motivation for that is I want to feel like I figured it out. I want to do it on my own. I, I want people to think that I'm that smart. I want to make decisions confidently. I just want to feel like there's nothing I can't figure out because it makes me feel comfortable and safe. And it's not true. And it's okay. It's actually really good because the gospel says Christ has come and clothed us with his wisdom and given us his wisdom, and we get to rest in the one who actually created all things. I, I, I love this uh, illustration that, um, I love this idea of Einstein. I think, how else do you explain how important this is that our start is with God, and that our wisdom is first with God? Well, we don't have to look far because Jesus himself talks about this often in one of my favorite uh, ways he talks about this in Matthew 7. Imagine this. He gives us this great picture of this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. So he's saying, If you listen to me in my words, and you actually, that actually is action that comes out of them, knowing me, 
and your actions come, you're like a wise man who built his home, his house on the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who fears hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Sounds familiar? Is despising wisdom? Is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I love it's great. It's not just a crash or it crumbled. It, it crashes down. Jesus gives us an incredible illustration of what that looks like. He gives us this vision of our foundation being what we build all of our stuff on, which we can figure that out. There's lots of great principles and, and people and blogs and books that explain people's experiences of what has worked in the world. But if we build it on sand, when storms come, when the earth moves, right? When the unexpected, the things out of your control come, when really hard decisions come, that thing that we have built will shake and, and possibly fall with a great crash. The gospel is a story of broken people made new by Jesus. And that is where we get to build our foundation. We get to build our life, our decisions, our families, and our work on the rock that doesn't move. It's such a, oh, it's so helpful because my start is not God. My start would be start building my house, get boards up, get walls up, get the roof on, and then go, I cannot figure out how to get this chimney to work. And then go, hey, God, how should I build a chimney? And then realize, oh, my house is all tilted. It's off. And the, and the foundation of it falls out from underneath. And my house blows away. I could build so much without him. And then it still all falls away. I do this through praying. If we're going to think practically here, what does it look like to start with God? Praying. We could ask the Spirit of God in this decision, what is wisdom? We could pray with other people and ask them to have God give us wisdom. Time in the Word. Our, our God has given us His Word that we can read over and over, and it's alive, and it will teach us and correct us and encourage us. And we have others, too, that we get to build with that can remind us, hey, don't forget the gospel. Don't forget God. This is where our motivations in the beginning come head, head on with the gospel. This is where the gospel does change everything. Because now here's what the gospel does for us. In making a decision or building our homes on our foundation, we see, as we put our gospel glasses on, we've talked about this before. You remember the gospel glasses? Sorry, that might have been shocking. Ugh. Remember we put the gospel glasses on? Yep. We see the world very differently. And so when the gospel is where we start, which is starting with God, then our decisions and our building looks very different. We see people as image bearers who are loved by God. Not people that I just can use to get my things done or to give me approval. I see people as sinners also, though. Not perfect, not expecting perfection from them or close to it. 
I know God is just. He doesn't take sin lightly. So I look differently at things that are unwise or things that are sinful around me. That God also loves his people so much that he would send Jesus to rescue them and forgive them. So I see not only, yes, people are sinners, they deserve death, and I say, then kill them. But the gospel says, you know what? God didn't just take the the data points and say, yeah, you know what? This is true. They're sinners. They deserve death. So kill them. He says, yeah, there's got to be a way, though, to save them. And he finds a way because of his also great love for us. He says, Jesus who, who makes a way for us, who dies and bleeds and is broken and, die, and goes to death so that we then can have life as he rises. He, he loves us and there's justice. And that really changes how we make our wise decisions because we first go to the gospel. Our God has power over all things. So we don't need to be a lesser power looking to be wise. It's okay. It's actually really good that we are lowly things that have been saved by a great God. I don't need to use my wisdom. My, my search for wisdom doesn't need to bring me power, which is good. I mean, you know what? Our God is in control. So whatever decision I make, if I have first started with God and prayed and asked for wisdom from friends and, and went to the word and I make that decision, it probably will not happen like I think. And it's okay because I'm not in control. God is. And lastly, for, for me, God loves me and forgives me. He makes me a citizen of heaven, his child, and his family forever. And so my wisdom doesn't have to be tied. My choices don't have to be tied to the outcome of those choices. And so when I make a poor decision, it doesn't change my relationship with God. I can repent and turn and love him and he continues to call me a citizen of heaven. My citizenship does not depend on my choices around me or even my vote because I'm already a citizen of heaven. This is why um, we started our service, not why it was part of why we started our service with repenting. Repenting is one of the wisest things we can do because repenting is confessing that God knows and I don't, and that he's right, and he's good, and he's just and fair. And so when we repent, we're actually becoming wiser because we are turning to the one who is wisest. We're saying, I'm tired, I'm foolish, I'm lonely and broken. I need your rest. And he forgives us as we turn to him. So we're going to spend the last few minutes of our service reflecting. I have a few questions we can reflect on. We're also going to take communion. So if you have your communion supplies, I got my plate of uh, bread and, and uh, my juice here with me. We're going to take actually a little time. Instead of uh, me just walking us through these things, we're going to take just two, three minutes of our end of our service here to actually stop, take a breath, start with God, whether that means you need to continue repenting, confessing, or asking of, of prayers. So here's what we want. I, I'm asking you now uh, to, look, to consider these questions to reflect on, to pray for one another. This is where we can share our prayers. Um, you can share them right in, in the Facebook comments here if you need prayers. We can pray for one another, ask for prayer, and also pray for each other, and also take communion. 
this is what's so good about um, communion is communion is us saying we couldn't do it. And Jesus had to come and shed his blood and rescue us because you know how to do it. We don't. This is us saying we clothe ourselves with you, Jesus, to have life. And so communion is a time where Jesus told us, you should do this to remember that I died and, and I rose and my blood was shed so that you would have forgiveness.